A pandemic rolled in and showed us the best and worst of humanity. The conditions caused by this phenomenon allowed us to see the anxieties, injustice, misplaced priorities, and discord. It also revealed the need to change and adapt more quickly than most thought possible and reminded us of what's really important, human connection and its nemesis, conflict. Conflicts all around us. People have different perspectives on how to solve a problem or even what the problem is. They have different perspectives on goals and objectives and the best way to accomplish them. It's human nature to avoid difficult conversations, partly because they're difficult and partly because we're worried that having them could make things worse. But maybe we're worse off for not having these talks and keeping it in. In this episode of Keep It 100, we unwrap how to be brave in your conversations and how to negotiate conflict kingdom style. Welcome to Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight, your real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Sean. And Krista. The Smiths. Well, we don't keep it 95, but 100. Come on. Hey, I just want to say the feedback we've been getting lately is amazing. It's mind-boggling. It's so encouraging. Your shout-outs are helping us continually get the word out to the far reaches. And if you haven't, please subscribe and download our podcast. That just helps us so much. Well, Krista and I, we've been quite busy in a good way, and we've been preaching in different places. I just recently went down to Bakersfield and was at a church, and it was just powerful. Krista did a so Saturday awesome. night, like I think it was like the South Campus, and it was just powerful. We had a lot of people come out. People got saved. People got healed. The Lord just brought people to the altar. It was packed. We laid hands on everything that moved. And then Sunday morning, we preached there. It was even more packed and just incredible, incredible breakthroughs. And one of the things that I, I'm beginning to put together is that I'm seeing such fire break out that since we've come out of this quarantine, I really see the hand of God on churches and people are coming back hungry. You could just sense there's more deliverance deliverance. There's more salvations and healings. You can just see that the kingdom is on full throttle, right? It could not be more true. I tell you what, we are seeing God move so incredibly. We are seeing the lingering at the altars once again, like you said, so much more deliverance. And we saw as much in just the area of healing and breakthrough prophetic ministry when we were up in Everett, Washington at an incredible church with just phenomenal people, Sunrise Church, love that house. And we just saw the people come out. We saw God show up as always. He's just so good. But in this season, And I think a lot of other churches and ministries can agree. I think as a whole in America, we're seeing a serious uptick in the presence of God. And I just believe we're going to see these waters rise, the water levels in services. So be praying for your local houses of worship. And we're believing for new fire. Lord knows this nation and this world needs it right now. This episode, we're going to be talking about conflict. And speaking of conflict, we have a little bit of conflict going on (laughs) on the home front. Oh, we do. Got a squatter in my mom's old house. Uh, many of you listen to podcasts know that my mom passed away in December. Uh, She did have a roommate at the time. And I think this is her roommate's son that actually never established residence there, but uh, he's kind of transient, but he's broken in the uh, my mother's house, took over her room. He fully set up stuff. He even had his sports banners put up in the room. Uh, this dude's a grown man. And, and unfortunately, he's been doing drugs and stuff. It's just a conflict of just trying to get the squatter out of my house. I don't know why I feel like it's also spiritual. Oh, it is. I mean, 100%. I think, you know, the reality is whenever we have promises of God over our life in the natural, the enemy always tries to come and hit it in the natural. And I think that we can't be surprised by we're seeing an uptick of God. We're also 
see an uptick of some warfare. And I think a lot of people are experiencing that in their lives, but let us not lose heart uh, that God will prevail. And even in this situation, we know God's going to come through. We will see justice. And as we just continue just to take a stake in the land and just see what God wants to do, it's like what Robbie Dawkins says, we're just going to start taking tolls. With every hit from the enemy, we just take tolls. We're going to keep going after salvations. We're going to keep going after healings. We're going to keep going after Jesus and into story. And we're not just seeing conflict on the home front, but we're seeing on the Hollywood front and on the global front, everything from A-Rod and J-Lo to Chrissy Teigen, uh, cyberbullying scandal to the Gaza Strip. It's in politics from the left to the right. It's in sports world, owners and players. It's even in the church, religionists versus everybody else. We see conflict surround our world. You know, bottom line, we can agree conflict is inevitable. Relational conflict is not something that should surprise us. Even as believers, the world is complicated, especially right now. And it's fallen. And yes, conflict is inevitable, even in the church. So the question is not whether conflicts will come but how we will handle conflict when it does come. So the message is not that it's magically going to disappear and that we can avoid conflict in our lives, but that we do have things arise in our life that we don't run from them. We don't neglect them because we can't afford to. You know, today we're talking about courageous conversations. We're talking about courageous communication and conflict management. And the poet Amanda Gorman has a beautiful quote, and she says, we've learned that quiet is not always peace. You know, that really reminds me of my own individual life coming up. I don't know that really handling conflict was modeled really well in my home growing up. So I think I kind of developed this peace at any cost mentality. And I just would almost freeze up whenever there was conflict in relationships. And I I really kind of many times may not have advocated for myself. Uh, This is obviously BC before Christ. But I began to realize when you have a peace at any cost, it ends up being chaos at a heavy price. And so when I gave my life to Christ, I began to realize just the need that in order to be the peacemaker that Jesus calls us to be, that means that you have to speak up and speak out and you have to learn how to deal with conflict. That's part of growing up, part of being mature, is part of being a follower of Christ. Conflicts basically happen when things don't go our way. Our sense of who we are or how we see the world has been challenged in some way. We experience a stress reaction. This would happen to me often. Some kind of negative emotion. We could feel irritated. We could feel scared, even numb. Our world becomes very small because we begin to focus on the event that has just provoked us. We begin to lose our ability to see the big picture. We're much less aware of the other things that could be happening. And it's been said, want to solve a conflict, you need to start a conversation. And I believe that's so true that we have to learn how to have courageous conversations. But that maybe is the biggest sticking point for many people. Again, the thought, want to solve a conflict, start a conversation, getting started is the sticking point for many. And to do that, it takes courage. You know, for us to really understand what we're talking about today, I want to quickly break it down. I want to define what is courageous communication. And I'll begin by simply saying courageous communication starts with the art of holding the uncertain balance between yourself and the other person as you explore what the conflict is really about for the both of you. And then let's take it one step further. In order to understand courageous communication, you have to understand then what's a courageous conversation. A conversation is where you speak up and express how you feel about these issues that are weighing you down. This thing is really so important to this entire generation currently. You can see the fallout of people that have not learned how to deal with courageous communication and handle conflict. 
conflict. I'm an entomologist, meaning that I love the origin of words. And the word courage comes from a French word, core, which means heart. So courageous communication implies bravery, but it also includes an open heart. It's You're communicating from your heart. So if a conversation is easy for you, then it doesn't qualifies courageous communication. So what we want to talk about are those areas where you have to become vulnerable and even express your heart. And that's where the courage comes in. Keep it 100. We're going to go right to the Hundo P segment right now, where we take questions or Chris and I answer that you. Question number one. Why do courageous conversations matter to us as believers? And why is it so important? First of all, we have to establish conversations make up such a huge part of our everyday life. So effective communication is really the cornerstone of a successful life, therefore successful relationships in our life. Communication's the essence of all relationships, whether it's romantic, whether it's at work, whether it's at church, everywhere that we go, we are literally communicating with people in various roles and relationships that they so have in true. our lives. So when it, it's disconcerting when any of these conversational exchanges, they change from what was pleasant to then difficult. And that's the moment where you have to make the decision to have maybe a hard conversation, but we're going to use the word courageous conversation. So the question is, why is this so important? And why does it matter as believers? It's because God created us for connection. Courageous communication is so important because at the core of who every one of us are, we were created for connection. That's how God actually made us. So when we have conflict with people, what it does is it interrupts the one thing you and I are wanting. We're wanting to be bonded. We're wanting to be connected. We're wanting to belong. We're wanting to be known. We're wanting to know other people. When there's conflict, it creates division in those relationships or in the ability to have a deeper connection. So a courageous communication is all about us wanting to stay in connection. You have to have those conversations in order to guard the connection. So many people are disconnected because they're not willing to have courageous conversation. So going back to that question, why is it so important as believers? It's because we were created to be in relationship. We are not created to be an island, to be doing life by ourselves, but we have to do it with other people in order to have long standing, trusting, deep relationships in our life. Hard conversations, courageous conversations are essential to going deeper and avoiding discord, but ultimately guarding connection. I just want to jump on that too, Boo, and add in Romans 12, 18 says, as far as possible with you, live at peace with everyone. So the bottom line is you can't be at peace if you don't talk through. Because if you don't talk to things, you're going to have disagreements, sticking points. You're going to fail to understand people and misinterpret intentions. And if you don't have courageous convos, then your dance with folks will quickly fade into daggers. And we've seen that. And we just talked about and cited some examples in modern culture. Think about it. Even Father God sent the word to reconcile us when we were separated in enmity from him. And I believe this is an example of what we must do is God sent the word to reconcile us. Many times it's going to require conversation with people to bring reconciliation. And another scripture I want to bring to bear is 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. And it speaks of the fact that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, which is why this topic is so important. And it simply says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us 
the message of reconciliation. So if God has called us to this ministry and it is a level of influence as your salt and light in the earth, then he has to have given us also the grace to do this successfully. Question number two. I hear what you're saying, but I tense up when it comes to conflict. How do I handle this? Carl Jung, the thinker, which obviously I don't land every place Carl Jung has landed, but he did make a powerful quote when he said, loneliness is not come from having no people around you, but from being unable to communicate the things that seem important to oneself. So what Carl Jung is essentially saying is loneliness isn't that you're by yourself and you don't have anyone around you, is that you're unable to communicate in a way that builds a bridge between your heart and the people who are in front of you so you feel lonely as a result of that. I love the question being asked right now because I think so many people can relate to it. They can understand, hey, I hear what you're saying. I hear it's important. But when we talk about conflict, I don't even know how to handle it. How do I start? Well, I want to begin with this. You can't not deal with conflict in your life or it will deal with you ultimately. All of us, as we know, have avoided difficult discussions for longer than we'd like to admit. And they often to become much bigger than they ever needed to be had we dealt with it at the beginning. The most effective way to deal with conflict is head on. That begins most importantly, if possible, with a face-to-face conversation. So all the texters out there, all the younger generation, I want you to hear this. The best communication for hard, intimate, vulnerable conversations, ideally, if possible, are to be face-to-face. If face-to-face in person is not available, a Zoom is possible, uh, a FaceTime is possible. If that's not, then maybe an over the phone then would be ideal. Text would be the last resort. And the reason for you want a physical person to be able to see and, and hear you because your tone and how you communicate is more than just the words that are said. When someone sees your face, when they hear your tone, when they see your body language, they're capturing the context of who you are and what you're trying to communicate. So even though it might feel scary and even though it feels like it's something you can't handle, I want to encourage you you were created to be able to do hard things. You can do it because Jesus within you is going to give you the strength and it takes courage. Yes, but courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is leaning into the presence of God. So when we turn away from pain or hard things or hard conversations, we're often missing out on some of the greatest teachers and lessons in our life. And that is difficult situations, hard conversations. It's those moments that can become some of our greatest teachers. And we have to understand that it takes actually more energy to hide negative energy. It takes more energy within ourselves to actually not deal with something than actually the energy to have the hard conversation and work through it. Say that because every time you swallow when you need to say something, it builds up. It takes a toll and eventually it's going to come out in conflict. And when it does, it'll begin to damage your relationship, not only with others, but with yourself because you've not held up your inner belief system of what you know to be true about yourself. And then you give away power when you avoid what you need to say. The convo that you're resisting is actually the conversation that you most need to have right now. And we have to understand non-communication breeds a fear while the more you speak up, the more you'll step into your next level of wholeness. What can you do? Well, here's some things that we want to give you that I feel like will really help you because there's several things that I do. First of all, you really got to deal with your fears. Fear is really one of the main reasons that stops you from having courageous conversation. And fear has different disguises. And sometimes it puts on a rational disguise where you begin to identify your fear with this situation is not really that bad or maybe this problem is not really worth mentioning. These thoughts are dangerous here because fear tries to keep you from being courageous and these rationalizations are simply fears wearing excuses 
as clothing. Maybe you fear rejection. Maybe you fear that you could make it worse. Maybe you feel vulnerable. The list can go on and on and on, but the bottom line is you can't let fear stop you. The two questions I ask myself when I'm dealing with fear, what are the consequences if I do nothing? That question is very revealing. And the second question I ask myself, am I willing to accept those consequences? I believe if you will implement these two tools, this can help you in terms of just these two questions to ask yourself. Another thing that can really help you when preparing for a courageous conversation is knowing the why you actually want to have that conversation. So before you even start a courageous conversation, be very clear as to why you're having it. What is the purpose and what are you hoping to achieve? Once you've actually made that clear and established the why, you will be able to decide what the risks of having the conversation are. And if you decide to have the conversation, you need to clear up the following three things. This is really important. You need to be asking yourself and really understanding what are you trying to achieve, number one, by having this conversation. Number two, what are you listening for? What are you wanting to get out of the conversation? What's that end result that you're aiming toward with this conversation? And number three, what gives you the right to initiate the conversation? Now, let me explain that. Do you even actually have access to that person to have that level of conversation? Is this a place where you have the authority or even the investment into that relationship? to be able to speak to that area. So you have to answer those three questions before you even go into beginning a courageous conversation. So we're keeping it real. So on the real, you also need to be prepared to experience discomfort. In courageous conversations, you have to be prepared to discuss the elephant in the room, the issues you don't want to deal with, but that you know you have to face. Once you have agreement, begin the conversation by telling your side of the story, which always includes the following points. Uh, Why do you want to have the conversation? What is the issue that you want to discuss and how the issue is affecting you? And once you do that, make sure you take the time to listen and allow the other person to share the things that they want to bring to the table as well. Question number three, how do I handle disagreements in a relationship or interaction? Handling disagreement in relationships is really important that we understand whether it's a disagreement with your partner, advocating for yourself with your boss, a hard conversation with an extended family member or an altercation with a perfect stranger. It's really hard to speak up in the moment and know what to say. And that is a big challenge. And it's especially a challenge when emotions run high. You and I know that when emotions get into the equation, it's very hard to think clearly and logically. So we have to understand first and foremost, in a difficult conversation, you're never going to get get your point across when you're cross, when you're, Ooh. when you're upset, when your emotions are the thing that are coming across more than what you're trying to communicate. You won't be persuasive if you're abrasive. That's a Sean Smithism okay. right there, right? So good. The first rule of conflict is to seek to reconcile, not revile. And the second rule of conflict is start private not public. Ooh, I'm going to say that last one just one more time. We have to understand if you actually want to have a healthy, courageous communication conversation, that has to start in private, not in public. Here are some other courageous communication tips for disagreement. Lean into the uncomfortable. Remember, you're helping the situation. You have to address the issue to keep connection. It's worth it. That person, they're worth it. Your connection, you being at peace with people as much as possible with you is worth it. Don't stockpile negative feedback. Don't be a scorekeeper. Tackle the issue as soon as possible. If you can't do it in this moment, maybe you just need a a moment to cool your head off or whatever, but tackle it as soon as possible. Don't delay or procrastinate. And I would simply say, avoid pointing fingers. My grandma used to always say, boy, it's not about fixing the blame. It's about fixing the problem, which is another way of saying, I'm not here to try to 
cast blame as to who's responsible as to why there's a conflict. But I'm really seeking how can I reconcile so that it really isn't about the conflict, it's about protecting the integrity of our relationship. I would say right along with that in terms of courageous communication, what to do when you're handling disagreement is I would begin, if I'm going to go in a conversation where I know there's going to be conflict, I first need to prepare my internal state. The Bible says he whose mind is stayed on Jesus is kept in perfect peace. So I would just spend some time praying and meditating. I think the next thing a lot of people do that I think can sometimes take you in the wrong direction is most people focus on preparing the content of what they want to say before a difficult conversation. And I would say those are the notes, but what about the music? The music is you're going to be communicating more through your tone, body language, than any of your words. So take the time to prepare your internal state so you're calm enough, you've got peace, you're not coming out of a rage, you're not coming out of a frustration, you're not uh, allowing an avalanche and snowballing to build up in your heart. You're able to pay attention and listen to what's going on inside of you, and that will prepare you to listen to what's going on inside of that person or people. And you've got to also understand that the context in which you're interacting is important. So when you prepare your eternal state, you're going to guard and recognize and have a sensitivity to the interaction that's occurring rather than just trying to spill and pour off the steam of your thought and your anger. You know, another tip for dealing with disagreement and how to prepare yourself for those courageous conversations are, you have to understand different skills are called for in different circumstances. So how I approach Sean before having conflict in our marriage is different than how I'd be talking to maybe a coworker at work, my best friend or a complete stranger, you know, person in my church. So different relationships are going to be pulling on different skills, different packaging, different verbiage, different levels even of vulnerability. And so you have to understand that depending on the relationship, depending on the circumstances, you're going to be pulling out different ways and different tools of how to resolve conflict. But regardless, conflict is conflict. And so you have to understand the goal is always to strike a balance and not only just be heard, but also to listen. And so best conflict of resolution is not just going into the situation saying my side's going to be heard, but also to hear someone else's perspective and go in uh, being, you know, desiring to be authentic and vulnerable and be true to who you are. That's important, but also allowing the space for the other person to be heard and authentic to who they are. You know, a really good kind of just standard rule of just having courageous conversations is understanding passive communications too soft, aggressive communications too hard, but assertive communications just right. It's like the three little bears of conflict management, so to speak. So the goal of a assertive communication, that's the healthiest, that's the best, is to resolve the issue and increase understanding. You're wanting to understand why each other are looking at this a different way. You can get to the root of the conflict, the root of the discord and division when you're understanding one another's perspective and position. You express your needs directly and you care for the relationship being respectful. You know, one of the things that Sean and I have in our marriage is we never call each other's names. We never raise our voices at one another. When there is areas that need to be discussed, we are very respectful. We don't interrupt one another. We let each other complete our thoughts and we take time for the other one to be heard and we let them fully communicate and we don't interrupt. And we allow that in a way where it's respectful and the other person feels not only valued, but also safe to be vulnerable because vulnerability is risky. And when you create a safe place, you're going to be able to find resolution a lot quicker because people 
people's guards go down. So healthy conflict management should always look like the intent to reconcile and to restore the relationship, not just being heard. Like I said, healthy communication focuses on sharing your feelings, your perspectives, preferences, and your needs. Healthy, whole, courageous communication is direct and clear. It doesn't play mind games. It's not passive aggressive. It's clear. It's concise. It's honest. Ooh, I'm telling you what, I wish someone would have answered these questions for me as I was coming up. I could have saved myself many hurt moments and many times where I had to go back and apologize, which that's <laughs> not a bad thing to do, by the way. Sure. Hey, Keep It 100 Tribe, I'm so excited because this is a segment that I most look forward to. It's to Keep It 100 Takeaways. And we want to share five courageous communication keys when dealing with conflict. Number one, you can't change how other people act in conflict, but you can change what you do. And I think when it comes to that, you have to understand you're not a victim in a conflict situation. I think growing up, I think I kind of felt like I was a victim. I felt like what I had to say wasn't intelligent enough or didn't carry enough emotional equity, or I was the youngest, or I'm the kid from the inner city or whatever. You, you can't play a victim in a conflict situation. You got to understand you're empowered and you've been empowered by Christ. So don't play the role of the victim. And because Christ has given you his identity, because he has placed his spirit inside of you, you can't lose sight of who you are. You're a child of God. You're seated in heavenly places. You've been given authority. You've been given a ministry. And so it's so important to understand, I can't change how other people act, but I am empowered to change how I act and what I do. You know, a second takeaway in dealing with keys to conflict is set the emotional tone for the conversation you're about to have. And that can be as practical as understanding that the more sensitive the issue is, the more likely it is that your emotions are raw and they're even exposed. So if the issue is emotional for you, then you need to make sure that you're calm enough and you're in a clear enough headspace to be able to actually communicate what you're wanting to say. So sometimes it's taking the space and the time that you need to get in the headspace and the emotional space where you're able to be calm enough to be able to communicate what you feel like is important to be heard. And another real understanding for the emotional tone of a conversation is it's also a great idea. I've certainly done this in my life is actually write out what I want to say. I don't know about you, but I've often found that when a situation is difficult, when I feel like the emotions could be high, or I could be maybe a little intimidated by the person that I'm going to talk to, and I have maybe not always felt like they've taken the time uh, to hear me out, I'll actually make a list. I will write out what I want to say, and I'll even practice with a friend or someone that feels safe, that maybe knows the situation that's neutral, um, and I'll, I'll just practice it, and I'll get another vantage point, another viewpoint for what I am wanting to share. And often that even their insight can help even maybe massage some of the approach that I'm going to take because getting your emotions under control enables you to listen objectively to the other person and to respond calmly. Because remember, this is more than just you sharing. You want to be in an emotional state where you can also listen and hear what the other person's saying too. So that emotional state, not allowing your emotions to rule you in conflict conversations and courageous conversations it comes with preparation and even practice. Practice what you're going to say, because sometimes we're able to communicate better when we've already communicated it before. And it's often that time, some
sometimes first time out of the gate, so to speak, you're first, you know, trying to communicate something for the first time, you have a hard time articulating a difficult time communicating, finding the right words. When you practice, you're allowing yourself to gather your thoughts, to come in really clear, to have the most effective end result. That is so good. Say a lot of for the people in the back. <laughs> Number three, remove emotional triggers. When emotions take over, it's easy for the rationale to go out of the door. We all know that. It's like you disconnect. And in that moment, you're not coming out of your heart, out of your wisdom that, that God has placed inside of your spirit. You're coming out of the raw emotion. And so what you want is to be authentic to your feelings, but you need to make sure they don't consume the conversation. And so I, I feel like sometimes what you have to do is you have to change the focus from you and put it on resolving the issue. Think about what's best for the relationship. Show, slow down the process. Listen to their entire story. Ask God for guidance and help. And I think when it comes to emotional triggers, you really have to be careful what comes out of your mouth. Ephesians 4.29 says, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only what is good uh, for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God in which you were sealed for the day of redemption. But I love that that you want to have words that impart grace. You don't want to have words that impart grind to somebody. You want so words that good. impart grace. And so these are words that would de-escalate, not escalate. Number four, what does the Bible say? Scriptures may not directly address every issue you face, but the Bible does give us what we need to deal with conflict. I would recommend spend time in the Word when you face conflict. Take it to God. Listen to what the Holy Spirit says to you. A couple things that maybe you can ask yourself. Is this issue essential to the gospel? This is particularly applicable if in social media or other contexts where you're having a conversation as it relates to a conviction, as it relates to a Bible imperative. These are things that are very important. And so if the gospel's at stake, it's time to deal with the issue head on. If not, you have to determine if the issue is central to the gospel's non-negotiables. And so this is obviously in the context of what does the Bible say? And so the Bible says there's a certain disposition we need to have, which is we need to have the disposition of the Father. We must maintain that all the time. And then the other aspect of scripture is if you're dealing with a topic, if there's a conflict over a moral issue or what the Bible says, then that falls into a category that you need to tackle that issue head on because you have to speak the truth in love, but you have to speak the truth. And then there are other things that may not be central to the gospel. I, uh, You've heard us say this before, every hill isn't worth spilling your blood on. And maybe that battle is for another time to take on. Fifth and final Keep It 100 takeaway for this week is once your conflict's resolved, let it go. In the words of Frozen, let it go, let, let it, it go, go let right? It go. Keep short accounts, which means don't keep a tally of how many times a certain person places in conflict in your life. Try to move on after a resolution is found. That means being really intentional about keeping your heart clean. And one of the greatest ways I have found my heart to be able to stay in a place of forgiveness, to stay in a place of peace and resolve and reconciliation with someone is when I pray for them. When I have a heart, when I'm praying God's will, when I'm praying God's promises, when I'm praying God's word over someone, it keeps my heart tender toward them. I often find my, my heart disconnected from someone if I'm not connected to the promises of God over them or who God says they are. So I encourage you, if you're having a hard time with someone, ask God for ways to pray for them and your heart will soften as you partner with who God says they are. You know, and you got to remember, you might find that someone's 
actually a reoccurring problem. Again, in those situations, it's important to have accountability, but it's also important to assess the relationships in your life. If, if you're having a consistent pattern of toxic communication, toxic conflict over and over and over again in your life, you need to reevaluate that relationship in your life. You know, Every relationship is work in the sense of, you know, you have to be intentional about staying connected, staying intimate, staying connected to one another, especially in marriage, especially in your close friends and your family. But at the same time, there should not be major conflict continually. Sean and I don't have major conflict in our marriage, thank God. But we're also int- intentional about staying in sync, about staying connected, about guarding the intimacy and peace of our home. And that does take work. It takes intentionality. It takes mindfulness. At the same time, you have to understand if there's a pattern in your life, reevaluate the health and condition of that relationship. And if it's something you're to keep in your life, you have to understand that anytime you have conflict, bring covenant relationships into your life that they can help create some safeguards. Meaning, you know, we, Sean and I have accountability people in our lives. We have people that are speaking into our lives. It's not just us and an island. Yes, we have a relationship with God, but God also puts people in our lives that help speak into our lives to make us better, to help grow us and challenge us, maybe our way of thinking or even our approach in certain situations that can help safeguard you from unnecessary conflict and toxic relationships in your life. And, you know, lastly, we have to understand conflict isn't fun, but it's actually necessary. And so many times it's going to help you stop, slow down, and even think about what you're doing. So instead of ignoring it, address the things that are challenging you, address the hard situations, you know, address maybe the difficult people or situations you're dealing with because in the end, it's actually going to make you stronger. You're going to become more healthy. You're going to become more whole and you're going to become more clear on who you are that, you know, one of the greatest things, and we mentioned this, I think I mentioned this last week, but one of the greatest rules that I live by is I teach people how to treat me. And one of the greatest lessons in life in the area of communication, in the area of having courageous conversations is I have to have courageous conversations in order for people to understand who who I am and the relationships that I allow into my life because I choose whether I allow healthy or dysfunctional. And I will allow people in process into my life, absolutely, because none of us are are perfect, but I'm also going to want myself to grow and become more mature, but I'm also wanting those people that I'm in relationship with to grow and become mature as well. As we conclude this episode, our heart for our listeners in the Keep It 100 tribe, come on, in our pod squad, I want people to know that we really wanted to disciple all of you in the area of courageous conversation and conflict management, because we believe if you are healthy, your relationships are going to be healthy. Your relationship with God's going to be healthy. And these are tools. These are simple practicalities that we believe if you grab a hold of them, you apply them to your life. It's really going to help you in knowing not only who you are, but who God's called you to be. He's called you to be a healed, healthy, and whole person. And we believe by dealing with conflict, by dealing with cycles in your life, when you address those head on with the practical things that we've shared today, we believe you're going to be able to live who God's intended you to be. And these small practical things can actually be game changers when applied in your life. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends. And be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out, share this link on your social media platforms, and check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Chris 
Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. Hey, you do not want to miss the next episode as we're going to have a surprise return visit from a special guest. Krista has gotten her degree in conflict management, one of her degrees. And so we're going to pull on some of that along with our guests. So you don't want to miss it. And remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram and seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it 100.